This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and any education is incidental. While the host may use clean language, the content that you're talking about has no such guarantees. Between them, Heather and Nicole have over 40 years of music experience and over 40 years of dance. Point and Play is where they sit down with you to talk about their thoughts and opinions. And I'm Nicole, and today we are talking about why piano is kind of considered kind of almost the go-to beginning instrument. Like, if you don't know what to play, start your kid on piano. <laughs> Heather had some thoughts. I... Because uh, <laughs> uh, we had written out these topics. Uh, we've been planning this podcast for a while, and we had written out these topics almost two years ago. Uh, and this one especially was definitely on the list two years ago. And Heather had an immediate gut reaction that was not what I was thinking of. <laughs> so my first thought just now as we were, all right, this is our new topic. This is what we're going with, was I wonder if the reason why piano is such a beginning instrument that you make your young children learn stems from hundreds of years ago, at least a couple hundred years ago, when the upper society would consider being trained in pianoforte as a sign of being cultured. And so in order to master the instrument that is takes a long time to learn and master, you start them very young. And then they are same thing with learning multiple languages and that type of information. So start them young, they learn it then by the time they're a young adult, they're absolutely brilliant at it and can play everywhere and be amazing and beautiful. And then just like with uh, Cotillion and keeping, you know, the court dances from 18th century Vienna, Vienna, it's just continued over, even though now there are other instruments that we can use and everything. And that apparently was very much not the direction of thought that Nikki had. So no, not at all. <laughs> uh, so just as kind of a, I don't know if this is a reminder or if this is just context. I think it's just context. Uh, I teach a lot of things and I play a lot of things. Uh, I have a weird Venn diagram, a three-way Venn diagram of instruments I understand enough to teach and can demonstrate enough to teach instruments I play at a more professional level myself and then instruments that I play at like a beginner level and I'm working on it <laughs> and weirdly enough there are instruments that cross in the overlap of all three crossed categories uh, for example I don't play professional trumpet but I can teach trumpet um you know, if you've been playing trumpet 20 years and you come to me for lessons, well, you should go to somebody else. But if you're just starting out or if you're in high school or middle school, like, absolutely. I definitely have something for you and, and can coach you and to be a better player, a better performer. So, you know, it it's kind of a weird overlap. But I play a lot of things. I teach a lot of things. <laughs> uh, currently at the music studio where I teach in the afternoons, uh, I offer lessons or I, my slots are available for lessons 
for piano, voice, clarinet, saxophone, flute, violin, viola, cello, trumpet. Is that everybody? I, I, I don't so. know. Is that is that everybody? The, that was, I think uh, that's all of them. <laughs> I zoned out. The list so, was long. Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oboe and bassoon also. Oh, oh, of course. My apologies. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a lot of woodwinds. See, it's I just say percussion, and that covers ninety percent of what I play. Even though that is so many individual little things. Yeah. Unless people are doing drum set or marimba or timpani specific and separate, they're learning a category. Right. And and see, I don't specialize in categories. I specialize in like individual instruments. Here's how to but play the triangle. Experience. Sorry, that's a throwback to a band director every year every year had to teach a a percussionist how to play the triangle correctly not as a tradition but because they didn't know so here's my experience (laughs) as a 21st century not worried about what the people 400 years ago thought about being the upper echelon 21st century 21st century vienna well no (laughs) I know. No. 21st century US, Heather. Uh, but I want uh, to go to Europe. Anyway, that's my own wish fulfillment. Your, your own private uh, wish list. Yeah, you know. Anyway, so, continue. My experience <laughs> when I am teaching non-piano instruments is that I end up using the piano to teach them concepts. <laughs> I play a lot of things. I don't need to reach for the piano every time, but clarinetists and flute players and saxophonists and trumpet players look at me like I'm speaking a dead language when I try to explain basic theory concepts to them that are not spelled out for them on their instrument. An interval, which is the distance between two pitches, two pitches that are happening at the same time, usually, not always, but... (laughs) It's the dis- it's the distance between two pitches. That is a very simple concept. Instruments that my wind players look at me like I have two heads. Yep. Because they can't see it. They have nothing in their instrument that lets them visualize or or have any kind of a reference for three notes in the middle between these two pitches. Mm-hmm. They have nothing <laughs> on their instrument that tells them that there are three in between or four in between or that they're right next to each other they have no no reference at all not even one string players can kind of picture kind of picture it if you can kind of lay it out for them uh but string players even then especially if they're not quite as advanced you still kind of have to say okay so you know that there's a note in the middle between your tapes Mm -hmm. and they go oh yeah i guess (laughs) and they still have to kind of think about it and like make that visual logical leap beyond what their instrument just shows them yeah but it's way easier for string players than it is for my my wind players now my piano students can literally count the keys (laughs) and Mm -hmm. go oh that's three (laughs) wonderful yep great being able um, to explain the difference between a whole step and a half step is oh yeah so that is nice the easiest and easy. possible thing on on piano and it takes just a little bit more work everywhere else uh especially with modern digital pianos mm-hmm. and i'm not i'm explicitly not saying the word keyboard 
because a keyboard is not a weighted key yeah fully functional piano if you're ever looking for the functional practical as a performance player difference between a piano and a keyboard it's weighted keys mm-hmm. it's a real life touch where the amount of pressure you put into a key actually does something um and as anyways. a tactile <laughs> human that is a significant difference Oh, it's a major difference because even if you're not super tactile, you can't really do dynamics. You can't really do volume with a keyboard. It is what it is. You turn it up or you turn it down with the knob and that's the only thing you have. And uh, But a piano, you can set that volume higher or lower, but you also have uh, c- touch control over it. But anyways, that's not what we're talking about today. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, uh, I did have a thought no, so as well the, when you're done. Okay. So... The the big thing that I, I find myself doing over and over and over is reaching for the piano as a visual aid when I am teaching because it is quite literally <laughs> laid out in black and white and there's nothing missing. Uh, also, generally speaking, it's a lot easier for students to memorize notes on the piano than it is for them to memorize uh, when they're first starting out playing a wind instrument or a stringed instrument, because every G looks exactly the same on the piano. Clarinet has two different fingerings. Saxophones have to remember like all of their fingers at once, and they can't look at their instrument to figure it out. There's no clues there. They have to check their fingering chart, and they have to go back and reference other things. Uh, and, and your keys are not consecutive on wind instruments you can't just count (laughs) yep you're because you're going to be wrong so so much of the time and then with stringed instruments there's no differentiation between the regular a b c d e f g what what are on the piano the white keys and your black keys your semitones Mm -hmm. your your uh sharps and flats there's nothing to tell you. So yeah, sure, a violinist can memorize or or a, a cellist can memorize those pitches, but memorizing which ones are just a letter and which ones have this enharmonic attached, that takes so much more work for everybody other than the pianist. So some- The pianist just looks at it and goes, okay, A, B, C, D, E, F, G are all the white keys, and I'll learn the others next week and then you learn them one at a time and you have a visual clear marker every a looks the same every c looks the same and it's so easy you can take a picture of literally one octave a b c d e f g a you can write all the letters on it and that piece of paper that tiny little snapshot goes for the whole instrument you can't do that with anything else so what i was gonna say and sorry to like keep interrupting i thought each time i thought <laughs> no, your it. sentence was done it was like oh no um i actually taught basic 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 beginning percussionists over a summer and i taught them three focuses i taught them instruments in the percussion family just about the different things that a percussionist can play um taught them beginning cadences and the technique to use drumsticks and i put those two together because that's what they were practicing with um and then i taught them actual 
how to read beginning music. And I didn't really focus on the lettering. So I didn't focus on how to read sheet music to read a piano score or a violin piece of music or anything. But I taught them like how to read rhythms and do that. And even with that, I was drawing a piano keyboard on the whiteboard to (laughs) talk to them and explain certain concepts. A couple of them hadn't ever seen a piano. And we actually did do a little mini field trip to the college nearby and looked at some of their instruments. Um, And it was the college I was attending at the time. So I had access and it was fine. And I showed them the piano and showed them all of the really cool things about it. Um, But there was... Yeah, like the vi- the visual piece of knowing it. Um, sorry, got a distraction. Uh, <laughs> they there are people who are so much more visual and literally need to be able to see the concept you're talking about. Um, and I was trying to give them a very baseline, beginning, foundational layer over one summer. <laughs> And even with that, even with that, it was, okay, I'm going to draw this for you and I'm going to give you this concept. (laughs) Um, But it also makes me think again about my first reaction to this topic of potentially being a little classist. There are going to be people that don't just have a foundational understanding of a piano because they don't have one in their house and they don't oh, know yeah. anyone who has one in their house. So if they've <laughs> seen I, a, if they've seen a movie argue, with though. it, then that's fine. If they have cultural uh, references, that's fine. I would also I would also argue though that that's going to be true about most oh, western abso- instruments. Oh, no, no, absolutely. Oh, no, no, no. That's not that's not a unique thing to the piano, but it's no. just another thing that just keeps popping in my head of like the difference between when uh it came into popularity and how it is now <laughs> i mean originally it was absolutely a classic yeah thing. oh absolutely uh it, <laughs> pianos are so expensive they uh, an acoustic piano you have to pay to have tuned which is a lot of money you have to physically they're huge and they have uh, like hundreds of parts i mean it all fits together in one solid thing but like you have what 88 keys and each key is what three strings i think and that might be wrong i'd have to google that but you know three strings on a hammer that fits to this other thing and like they're they're convoluted and complicated and they take special training there's you do you know that there's only two things i play that i don't know how to tune <laughs> i know how to tune everything i play including my djembe which is a a hand drum that you hold on your in, in between your knees or you hold under your arm if you're walking with it. I know how to tune that. Uh, I, I, I just can't tune mine because it um, is a different make and doesn't have tuning oh, pieces on it. I can tune mine like you tune a timpani. Yeah, mine doesn't have the spokes um, for that. Mine is the skin of the drum head is on it <laughs> and that's what it is. That just is what it is. But no, I, I can tune everything I own and everything I've ever played that tunes except for steel drum Mm -hmm. which you have to literally tune as a piece of metal you have to re-hammer it to tune it into place and the piano everything else i can take care of 
except those two instruments. And one of those is a literal hunk of metal that you have to reshape to tune. And here's the question. And the other one is the piano. Here's the question, though. You you also understand, do you also understand the concept of how to tune both of them and you just don't have the physical skill slash tools? Yes. <laughs> yep. I, I understand the concept of tuning them. I absolutely would not even attempt it. I can tune my guitar. I can tune my violin. Uh, again, I can tune timpani and drum heads. Um, I can't change strings on anything except for a marimba. And if you think a marimba doesn't have a string, that just means you haven't <laughs> been up close to one. Yeah, I can change strings. On <laughs> the strings the just literally connect the the keys. Um, oh, that was the other thing I I was gonna say earlier. Sorry, uh, a marimba is another instrument that you can look at the keyboard and you take a snapshot. But the reason why is because it's the same visual it's literally as a piano, a piano keyboard. <laughs> so yeah. if you like, I went from playing piano to percussion. So I went from doing keys with 10 fingers to playing larger versions of those keys as wood with sticks with balls of yarn on the end so just two notes at a time and then eventually four notes but um so visually if you have access to a marimba or a travel size glockenspiel vibraphone xylophone i had to think if i'd already said it or not you literally can do visually a very similar thing. So you don't have to go out and get a piano to do the visuals. If you're trying to have a physical thing in front of you, you can get a little beginner starter kit, glockenspiel, and I mean, you can good. Google piano keyboard and pull it up and write letters on it yeah. and then show somebody the concept and move on. Yeah. Like, you don't even have to have an actual piano. Yeah, That's the I, thing about like it is that the visual things. for it is so <laughs> solid yeah. that it just... It works and it it's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I don't actually know historically. This is something we could look into at some point if we want to do a history episode. Uh, um, I want to do multiple history episodes. I don't mean I don't know what you mean by if. <laughs> well, if we want to do this history episode, Fair. uh, we could look into if our our Western music scale was developed as the piano was developing or before, because I don't actually know if the piano was made for our western concept of music or if it was made with it if that makes sense yeah i'm not actually certain because there are um, there are other places in the world that have a different uh chordal structure and and tonal tonal structure yeah. tonal structure tonal structure there we go yeah not chordal i mean that also yeah. but tonal structure we're gonna probably we're gonna probably look those up too for the podcast at Can some point i've read through a bunch of those there's but so many and they're so cool it's awesome there's that's it's so off topic but there's so other <laughs> other scales of just going up that whichever half notes or whatever for that will make up that tonal structure outside of the western one are just so cool sounding anyway I that's its desperately, own desperately desperately want the science behind those that's its different that's its whole own other Probably yeah. multiple episodes, you know, one for each one, if not more. Yeah. It's mm, so good. Mm, gorgeous.
Are you tired of watching your beloved characters being tortured by careless authors? Are you sick of feeling like they could have swapped out all of the painful action and the plot would remain untouched? Subscribe to Books That Burn, the fortnightly book review podcast focusing on fictional depictions of trauma. We assume that the characters' reactions are reasonable and focus on how badly or well they were served by their authors. Join us for our minor character spotlights, main character discussions, and favorite non-traumatic things in the dark books we love. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Heather, you had not seen this before. I have not seen this video before, or this performance. Uh, Before I say the things that I really love about this video, because I've watched this a lot of times, I've used this as a teaching video a lot of times. What what are your first impressions? Okay, so this video is a performance of a song that Nicole and I have practiced together and individually practiced with our mom. And I have actually performed with our mom uh, for a senior vocal recital. (laughs) I forgot about that. And so we've sung this and our cats respond to it very well because the lyrics are meow. Now, it's written (laughs) in Italian, so it's spelled a little differently, but it's meow. And or meow. I mean, and it's written as meow. To be fair, they didn't exactly. They wrote it very different. M I A U. Same thing. <laughs> so this um, performance is two wonderful vocalists interacting with each other as if it's a competition, which is I mean. N- Never how my brain has ever interpreted any performance of this song before. It's always oh, been really? like, yeah, no, I've, I, nope, this is a very, all of See? it was a very new okay. idea for me. But then also, again, I talk about this every time I feel like their facial expressions, absolutely gorgeous. I love their interplay. I love the um, physical acting that they do while still making sure that they can actually sing it. Um, yeah. It is a very well, we challenging piece vocally to an we extent. We didn't say the title of the piece in case people are just listening to us. It's Duetto Bufo di Dui Gatti. Um, and Which is Duetto the Cat, right? Uh, so Duetto is Duet of. Mm-hmm. Duetto Bufo. It's a comedic duet of between two cats. Yeah. Gatti yeah. is cat. And it's yeah. hilarious. It's beautiful. So it's, a, it's a duet that is funny. Between two cats, if I'm our cats would always, whenever we would sing it, our cats would literally come over and like meow back at us whenever there was a yeah. pause in the song. Um, so okay, I find it very so interesting just, that you never thought of this as like a back and forth fight, yeah. No, I never thought of it as a fight, I thought I of it as like always, a conversation. I but always I- did, <laughs> but that's because we used to like meow and sing at our cats and then they would yeah. yell back at us they'd be like yeah, hey. it's th- and that was a conversation <laughs> like, that's but, a conversation the, nicole but no because in the in the chorus <laughs> our cats would start spat fights and smack each other when we were singing it i just so, like the melody I've is always, very fun it's very I've always i've always bouncy. thought of this as being a fight because I that's how my cats reacted to it <laughs> I love the harmonies in the song. I love (laughs) in this particular video, you have one vocalist already on stage doing her piece. And then it's the other vocalist is like, hello, I'm going to come join you. And she literally like 
tiptoed around <laughs> yeah. the back of the piano and was like, I'm here. And it was so yeah. good. Their energy is fantastic. Their interaction, their interplay is beautiful. There is a back and forth of who's got the upper hand, who's trying to outdo the other in the moment. Um, I think the reversal also, at the end is the funniest part about that. <laughs> also, side note, their dresses, I want one. I, yeah. I don't care which one. I'm not a big shocker, Nicole. I'm not a big sequence or sparkle on the glamour dress person. Yeah. But I want their dress. You want anyway. one of these. <laughs> yeah. Specifically <sighs> this dress. That, yeah. Especially the second vocalist. Beautiful cut. Anyway. Um, they There is also... A, I think my favorite moment of it is when the first vocalist literally pauses the piano, the pianist. Um, I can say that <laughs> yeah, word correctly. Like, oh, the, the pianist is like, excuse you, I want my to, run uh, I that want I am to. going to take my time with and do pauses <laughs> and elongate it well past what it's physically written as to yeah. make my point. I am in control of this. You follow me. Excuse you. Just all of all of those thoughts as if that was her her thoughts in about five seconds and it was just yeah it's very I love good it. i absolutely love it i am not surprised that you have watched it a million times um i literally use this as a vocal teaching video they when hiss at each other like, they oh it's so good <laughs> there's one also hiss. my cats are about to, to get into a fight at my feet because one of them is sleeping on my feet when it's normally the other person's spot or the other cat's spot oh he's gonna come on my lap okay come here zippy so anyway. my favorite thing about this video is the enunciation difference between the two singers. Yes. And so, that seems like it was part of the thing. argument too. Oh yeah. Is well, how do you maybe. pronounce it? Nah, I don't know. I don't know if that's part at of the, the beginning. argument or if it's just setting them up as like At the beginning characters. it seemed to be like, no, this is how you say it. And they're like, no, well, this is how I say it. Is how reason- it is how it read to me anyway. The reason that I love it so much is because when I was learning this piece, I was told that it you could say it either way. Because meow has two vowel sounds, e, a, u. It, technically, it has three vowel sounds, but yeah, the final vowel is a w in English. And but it has it has multiple vowel sounds, and you can technically sing this song resting on any one of the three vowels you can go meow or meow or meow mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter you can hang out now, on any of them for all of those runs yeah obviously that third one does not sound like a cat as much as the other two but they but i, was, I think they I was, did it at points in there though oh i think so but like as a not for general, the runs but they not for the runs but yeah. but if you're just thinking vowel sounds like that third one definitely does not sound as catty as the other two and when i was learning it i was told pick one but either one works because the way that word meow functions Mm -hmm. and what i love about this video is that each singer has a version of that word (laughs) the first singer uh emphasizes the oh meow Mm -hmm. meow she sings a lot of ah and oh's uh, and the second singer sings a lot of me. Me. Can we talk about that high note at the end? <laughs> yes. Because that is not in the original. No, that was just her winning the fight. <laughs> that is her 
and doing it effortlessly yeah (laughs) clear tone strong not nasal like going on either extreme end of a vocal range uh yeah has its challenges and and being able to sing high is already you know very impressive but sing high strong clear and forward Mm-hmm. and effortlessly and don't sound like you're about to choke or that you're about to like kill your diaphragm just i was like wait that's not that's not how that was okay yep yep you win you win <laughs> I, um, I think the funniest thing here is that she wins at the end yeah like that the first singer is very much like aha i got you this is mine because i have the last word and then the second singer comes in and is like mm, do you though and it's just, it's this very. <sighs> and then at the end, they hug and they're like, it's look, great. we're friends. But that was well, after yeah, the performance was over because they're actually people that yeah, enjoy each other. They're people that work together and they actually have practiced like this. each other and care about each other. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, it's just very, it's very <sighs> playful. It's very funny. So something that this I think. This is the only version of that I have seen personally on YouTube. And if anybody has any other versions of a performance of this song that has this this playfulness, please send it on to me because so many so versions good. of this song are, are serious. stuffy and serious and we are singing almost Something operatic that... because we just want to be cats today yeah. and to be a little bit silly. And like, no, this song is about two cats that are going back and forth and are like yelling at each other. Something and that I absolutely... just the fact that they bothered to do that is so it, they're actually performing it. They're not just like singing the notes. And it's so, I, it's so important. Literally something that I absolutely loved and had a, a you know voice teacher that was very big on it was that you are acting as you're singing. Yeah. Whatever it is that you're Always. singing, what is the story? What are you trying to convey? What are you telling? And I had a friend who, for their senior recital, did a song where they played three characters. Um <laughs> as oh if they're the tenant of a an apartment complex and there's a, a neighbor above and a neighbor below and different vocal styles different music different uh like they're always practicing this one and and you know physical positions on stage and turning of the head and all and her point because hers was an instructional instructional recital was how to do characterization in a song and so Often when you get people singing um, anything that is in a different language from English, um, anything, and I'm going to say any, anything uh, that is in a more classical style in another language from English, a European, Western, or, classical, or even, they tend even, to um, be performed e- as if they're some great big stuffy serious thing and we talked about this with the the dances as well so they're done very seriously but they do it as if the performers themselves are scared to be big and to be if you're in a choir or if you're a choir member and you're used to not being able to have room to move and i'm not talking about show choir yeah you get stuck in this well i just have to sing my notes and you're also concerned about you know your breast support and everything you're like i'm gonna stand here and i'm gonna do this this isn't musical theater i'm not running around i'm not dancing it's like (laughs) no but you should be connected to every piece of your body and (laughs) you're telling a story it's just you're not speaking it you're singing it 
like that's, that's always the hard part and this is true for instrumental musicians as well as vocalists it's very different to be in a group of 10 or 20 or 30 or however big your choir or band or orchestra is Mm -hmm. it's very different to be in a group and there's limited space on stage especially in classical music when you have so many people and you can't move and you can't really be expressive because you'll bump your neighbor and that doesn't work uh but if you're gonna solo you have to tell a story and you have to sell that performance and it has to be something. Yeah. And I, I don't mean if you're just background just... music. I don't mean if you're just background music. I mean, if you are the soloist on stage, you cannot just stand there and sing and look pretty or stand there and play and look shiny and Or nice. you like, can and they're going to get bored about 15 seconds into your song and they're well, going to close their eyes and listen and they're not going to pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you can't do it and have it be a performance that makes sense but this rendition is awesome thank you for hanging out with us today if you would like to interact with us on social media you can find us at point and play on both twitter and instagram to find all of our videos that we talk about on the podcast as well as other things we think are interesting or important head over to our point and play youtube channel if you would like to support us by dropping us some money you can head over to either our monthly patreon or our one-time payment ko-fi link all of these links are in the episode description we'll see you next time